Well, most people, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to pay $75 for tires. So they hear they're only $49.95. Then you got to buy all them extras. Like, do you want them on the car? Ron and Anian. Dealing with an automobile today, there is a very concise and exact manner in which it's supposed to be maintained. The car doctor. It doesn't matter what your pocketbook says. If the car needs this, then you have to make that decision and you have to choose whether or not you want to service and maintain that car properly to get the distance and mileage out of it that the manufacturer recommends. And Dodge is the perfect word to put on the front of a van coming at you. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Ronnie Nini and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number, 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. Of course, there's a website, cardoctorshow.com. More information there as well as Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor out on Facebook. You know, Dodge isn't... So Dodge is actually... We know what Dodge stands for, right, fellas? Let me uh, Michael on the other side of the glass and yes. terrific Tom. Drips um, oil, drips grease everywhere. So you guys have been paying attention. So I've got one for Tesla now. Hey, fire! Right. T- Tesla, totally electric. Lots of stupid accessories. <laughs> <laughs> no, just, just that meets that, that that meets the criteria. We like it. Yeah, and it just. You know, so I'm just I just keeping them up as I go along. So uh, we are here to answer your calls and questions at 855-560-9900. Busy week. Uh, we're going to have a busy week this hour. This hour, we're going to have a busy week. Either way, it's like, who's on first? I don't know. Third base. Um, same thing as you. Um, we're going to be talking about talk about Tom's uh, exploits down at the Ford dealership. He got his daughter's car fixed. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about, um, I don't know, we've got a couple of things going on. But right now, let's kick the doors open because the backlog is there. Let's go over to George in West Hartford. Connecticut, O2 Honda Civic, and some questions about transmission. George, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Yes, thank you so much for taking my call, Ron. Uh, this is my stepson's car. Um, he's going to be putting a used transmission in this vehicle. Okay. My question to you uh, would be, um, I'm thinking of adding a transmission cooler to this transmission, and if you have any other insight what to do to get the most out of this transmission, he's hoping to get a, you know, a a year, maybe a little more out of it. Okay. Um, short of putting it on the back of a flatbed and driving it around to get longer life out of that, um, and I say that kind mm-hmm. of tongue-in-cheek, George, um, how many miles are on this mm-hmm. car? About how many miles do you think the, are on this car? The, 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 car, the, the car itself has uh, 258. The transmission that the car came out of, I verified it as 120. Okay. And how much is that junkyard trans cost them? 350 350 plus labor to put it in mm-hmm. um, is there a Correct. is there a guarantee on that trans yes one year okay then I guess it's worth the risk you know mm-hmm. the, the the problem becomes it's a 2002 by by simple math mm-hmm. it's it's close to 14 15 years old depending upon what right. exact year that's out of um, a trans cooler mm-hmm. won't necessarily help it 
Uh, I don't believe mm-hmm. it's going to really extend the life of that. I think the Honda Transas, by definition and design, are really just limited in how far they'll go. Um, and I've got to mm-hmm. tell you, 120 seems to be, 120 to 150 is sort of the sweet spot for failure. So that's why I'm kind of cringing at, you know, what are we doing? Um, I get mm-hmm. it. It's a gamble. It'll probably work. But, you know, mm-hmm. the questions I always ask at this point on a 15-year-old car with a quarter million miles on it, so we put the junkyard trans in it, and then, you know, what happens when that lasts six months? Would we go through the pain of, you know, replacing it again? Because is the place that's installing it, are they guaranteeing the trans, or are they just doing the labor and they get paid again to change it? Uh they're just doing the labor. There is an option too that I could do that that the labor would be paid for also on this transmission. Okay, you know the 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 other question is: Have you priced out just a reman trans that's you know factory fresh, so to speak? Yeah, that's a lot more money. That I I looked into that too. You're looking at about twenty five hundred. Okay, twenty six. So how much is it costing you to do the junkyard trans with the price of the trans and labor? Uh, well, Thousand bucks. Well, it's well, it's going to be done at uh. His um, brother works at the shop. Okay. So another three fifty to get it installed. They're giving him a deal. So. Okay, so they're giving him a deal. All right. You know, yeah. there's there, there's times you got to take the gamble and roll the dice, and and I guess mm-hmm. this I guess this is one of them. Uh, you know, the mm-hmm. most the most important thing to do here is just obviously start off with clean fluid, flush the cooler. They'll do that when they install it. They're they're. You know, I'm sure they're more than capable. And then just stay on top of the fluid changes. I don't think putting an auxiliary cooler on this is necessarily going to help. Uh, you know, I think, if mm-hmm. it, I think if it did and actually extended the life of the transmissions, Honda would have done it 10 years ago when they started having all the problems mm-hmm. and it became such an issue. Uh, you know, the simple, single biggest benefit to this trans is just changing fluid on a regular basis. We change Honda automatic transmission fluid. We try to do it on a cycle of between twenty five and 30,000 miles. You know, so in 100,000 miles, that car's had three fluid changes. And generally, we see customers' transes go the distance. We'll see them go. And by distance, I mean we'll see them hit 150 to 180. They seem to get a little bit longer life. We seem to get a little bit longer life out of them. Um, my other concern here is uh, what sort of shape is the rest of the vehicle in before we just focus on mm-hmm. the failed trans. And, you know, that's right. I, I want to look at the whole picture. Um you know, so that's something to think about, too. And then the, the last thought I've got, George, is, uh, you know, what happens in a year? Is it just a car to get them mm-hmm. through high school, college? Um, you know, Correct. So, yeah. Correct. Okay. It's, just, it's just something to get them for the next year, and, that, and that's why, it, to me, I'm taking a gamble. Okay. All right. And it makes sense. You know, as, as, as harsh a statement as it might be deemed by some, 700 bucks isn't a lot of dough today in this day and age when it comes to a car i agree i you know we we were talking about it this week at the shop we had a customer with an 08 ford escape and it actually puked the trans at 100 grand um it's not a car that's been well maintained i and i can always tell the well-maintained cars the well-maintained cars under recommendations it always says your next oil change is due you know such and such a day this car came in, and there was probably 10 or 12 things that were recommended for service, fluids, filters, spark plugs, you know, all the things that everybody puts off until it becomes a, uh, you know, a push-me um, pile that you're pushing down the road. And I said, well, yeah, that's why the trans failed at, at such a young age, because they, you know, under 100000 on a trans, it's, it's, it, it's not right. It's a, a typical automatic trans no. will go to the 150s. Um, so, yeah, let's do it. 700 bucks. 
Listen, 700 bucks is a family of five out to dinner in a fancy restaurant here in the Northeast uh, one Saturday I night. And um, I think it's I think it's uh, worth the gamble. So um, uh, One last question, if yes, I sir. can. Is sure. there a newer, because I know transmission food is backward compatible, that Honda uses now that you'd recommend putting in this transmission when they do this? Um, no? I believe, no, I, you know, it's the Honda TransFluid that's currently being used is backwards compatible. I would at least use either... You know, OE Honda or Idumetsu, I-D-E-M-I-T-S-U, Idumetsu. Idumetsu, I believe, is the manufacturer for Honda, and they market their own transfluid, and it's it's type H, I think it'll say in the bottom right-hand corner of the bottle. That stuff works really well. You know, fluids are very critical, obviously. And, you know, the quality of the fluid and the the brand and the additives and, uh, you know, and I'll have this argument with the trans guys and I get it. They can't, and I don't know why they can't, but, you know, stocking every particular type of trans fluid seems to be something they don't want to do or some of them don't want to do. But, you know, I'm a general repair shop and I last count I had 14 different types of trans fluid on the shelf. Um, you know, it's just, it's staggering what you have to keep in terms of trans fluid. It's a full-time job just doing inventory on it. So, but, uh, you're thinking in the right direction, George. You really are. And, uh, okay. Thank uh, you, you know, so just, much. just keep it up. You're very welcome, sir. You have a good rest of the weekend. Yeah. So take good yep. care. Um, you know, and I guess, let me go to my yellow post-it. Wait, yellow post-it number one, success behind the scenes. What makes a repair good and right? And we'll talk about that when we come back from the pause, because that's, you know, George's, George is, is an example of what makes it good and right, okay? He's thinking clearly. He's, he's, he's being proactive. He's involved in the repair. You know, he's not expecting something for nothing, and he realizes the risks and the gambles of, of repairing a 15-year-old car, in essence, a 16-year-old car, you know? Unlike the woman who called yesterday, and she called twice, didn't get an answer. We were busy. I, I generally, morning and now, folks, I generally don't answer the phone Friday morning. Uh, because we're trying to get cars out for the weekend, but you can leave a message and we'll call you back. And uh, she was annoyed that I didn't call her back until noon when she actually called me and I explained, but here's the number I called. And she said, well, that's the wrong phone number. Well, that's the number you left. Oh, I made a mistake. It must be your fault, though. Uh, You know, (laughs) that's what makes a good repair go bad, so things like that. But anyway, we'll talk about it. We've got a lot going on this hour. I'm Ron Anany in the Car Doctor. Thanks for staying with us. 855-560-9900. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. What's more fun than listening to Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor and getting that car fixed right? 855-560-9900. Give Ron a call. Now, back to Ron. Hey, let's get on over and talk to, uh, let's go to John in Mississippi, 96 Chrysler. John, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Hi. Hey, sir. Uh, I want to change the fuel filter on this car okay. and i was looking in this in the service manual and it says um after you connect everything to um open up to a uh, drb scan tool to enter to pressurize the fuel system is that can is there a step around that or is that absolutely necessary i think what they're telling you that for john is they want you to check the system for leaks i think that's a safety oh, precaution okay. All right, because you know you change the fuel filter, it's you're going to start it up, and the, the if everything's back together, it, it'll just start. Um, I think if you okay. read further into that, they're just trying to be cautious, which you're going to achieve pretty much the same thing by turning the key on. You'll hear the fuel pump buzz. 
don't start the engine, mm-hmm. wait five seconds, turn the key off, wait 20 seconds, turn the key on, you'll hear the fuel pump buzz and prime itself, and you can check for leaks that way as well. So okay. I, that's what I think they're, they're really trying to describe to you. I have never in all the Chryslers I've ever changed fuel filters on uh, New Yorkers, you know, 96 New Yorkers and cars of that vintage among them. Never had I have I had to prime a fuel system like that to change a rail. If this was a diesel, we'd be having a different conversation. Uh, you know, and there's some older fuel injected models that uh, on different manufacturers' cars that would get air bound that you'd have to you know purge air from the system and so forth. But now nah, 96 New Yorker, think of it like this: if the car ran out of gas, bone dry, right? Mm-hmm. And you know right. you, you went and filled it up. Do you do you think the guy in the gas station's got a DRB three or a DRB two or some sort of scan tool to prime the fuel rail to get the car to start? Uh, you know, oh, so no. you know, so for the for the manufacturer to do that, well, Chrysler could do that. You know, they haven't really been uh, <laughs> their engineering isn't what it once was in recent years. So, but uh, no, sir, not 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 likely at all. So, okay, not likely at oh. all. All right. All right. Thanks for the information. You're very welcome. Thank you. Have, you. you have a I good day. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. Take good care. Let's go over and talk to Jamie in Illinois. Jamie, you four Ford Focus. How can I help you gain your focus? Yuck, 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 yuck. So, <laughs> so I'm killing myself <laughs> here today, Jamie. What's going on, babe? Yeah. Hey, I'm having a chronic problem with this Ford Focus. It's been a good little car, but uh, it's got 160,000 miles on it. And uh, periodically, there's no uh, commonality to it. The car will just die, dry, uh, excuse me, die while we're driving along. Okay. Uh, usually, it's in town. Uh, it may be a little bit more like when we're turning a corner, but it's not. It's never when it's stopped. Um, it also doesn't. Uh, it doesn't happen on the open road, at least so far. And um, it'll it'll die. Turn right around. Turns it right back on, and it, it takes off, and it may be another three or four days before it happens again. Okay. Do you notice it? Is it any different with different levels of fuel in the tank? Could it be, is it more consistent with less fuel? Is it less consistent with more fuel, or it doesn't seem to matter? It doesn't seem to matter. Okay. Uh, we tried it both ways, and we kind of, you know, kept track of where the where the fuel was um, at the you know at the time it happened. It doesn't seem to be like I said. It just we can't tie anything to it. Um, we, when it when it put, ha- go, ahead, go ahead no I'm sorry go ahead finish uh, we we put uh, you know heat in it I was thinking that might help uh, it didn't seem to affect it at all and it doesn't kick out a code either that's one other thing there's just no check engine light right uh, okay uh, is this the two O or the two point three it's actually a one point four the single overhead uh, oh okay okay so mass airflow sensor car I'm trying to remember what the one fours had. Um, um, I can't answer that question. I don't. Okay. I'm not knowledgeable enough on it. When it when it when it dies, Jamie, does it die <clears throat> clean like somebody turned off the key, or does it sort of stutter and hesitate and kind of fall on its face and struggle? If you, you know, do you do you instinctively pump the gas pedal trying to get it to go, and does that make any difference, or is it just uh-huh. it dies clean and you're going like what happened? It pretty much dies clean. Okay. And um, all right. So. You know, when we think about it, it dying clean like you turned off the key. Yeah. We 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 think about something electronic saying, "Okay, see you." All right, and you know, I've had enough. Now, yeah. you know, at, at layman's level, it's a little tough to fix a car like this. We can talk about it. Uh, you know, one of the key things we want to know is cleanliness of battery terminals. 
On an older car, we want to know cleanliness of grounds, ground connections at the battery, ground connections at the engine block and or to the chassis. All right, okay. and, and those are things you can follow them out and, and see where they go, and do you see anything hanging, dangling? You know, I remember a Nissan I fixed many years ago that came into the shop. It was a hard start, only cold, and when I traced it out, the auxiliary ground going from the manual transmission to the body mount had, had, had broken, and sure. it, it, it would, there was enough ground somewhere else to allow the vehicles to start in warm weather. Cold weather, for whatever resi reason, resistance changed. That vehicle just didn't get proper voltage or ground going to any one of the PCMs or control modules, and that car didn't start. Put a ground on it, the car was fixed. Uh, now, it, it, yeah, oh, yeah, it's, you know, we start thinking newer cars and computers. Voltage, power, ground, all of this is so critical. Uh, it just really comes back to looking for the simple and the basics. If... I had the access to it, or if I'm taking it to my mechanic, one of the first things I would also do is, on a scan tool, computers have some signals and data that are constant. If fuel pressure okay. is supposed to be 58 pounds, we're going to see 58 pounds every time we start it. All right? If we disconnect the battery on that car and hook it back up and look at fuel pressure via a scan tool, we're going to see 58 pounds. All right? Okay. If we... Look at it beforehand, disconnect the battery, and look at it back on a scan tool. And we were to look at short or long-term fuel trim. Fuel trim is a measurement of how far to the right or left of zero the computer is running the fuel system control. Okay. So, you know, on some days that might be plus 5, plus 6, plus 10, minus 5, something like that. But if you were to disconnect the battery... All cars start at zero again because it lost track of where it was. It has to learn that value. So we call that we call that learned value as it's either a constant or did it change. If after the car stalls, if that learned value is back to zero, that tells us that maybe the PCM or the onboard computer is losing power. Uh, okay. and, and it gives us the direction and a, and a place to go. Um, so I'll tell you what, stay on the line, Jamie. Let me just finish this. I know you got to run. I'll, I'll come back. We'll finish this quick. Let me pull over and take okay. the pause. I'm running Annie in the car, Doctor. We'll be back right after this. Is it Michael standing there? He's looking at the board, and he's getting ready. To, and bam, you're on. Okay, so we are back. Um, Ron and Andy, the car doctor here. Let's get over and back to uh, talk to Jamie in Illinois. Just uh, busted the new guy's chops, folks. So go ahead, yeah. Jamie. Um, where, where were we? We were talking about um, uh, constant and um, uh, variable parameters, right, how things right. change sometimes when they die. So, you know, you have to start thinking about that. So, you know, it would be interesting if your mechanic were to go in and, you know, record some of the data, you know, sort of heart rate, blood pressure, look at the vitals now, today, and then mm -hmm. if the car dies next week, run it back and, and, and look at and print out another list of, of what numbers. Yeah. And what numbers changed? Are all the numbers the same? Right. Okay? 
if yeah. if if everything is the same and nothing's really changed, then I'm going to start thinking what can make that car shut off, but not cause the computer to go into a reset. Right. All right. And you know, then I get to the point in the diagnosis if we were at the shop where I will I will print out a wiring diagram. And I'll do this, and, and it, it drives people nuts because they'll come in and I'm, what are you doing? I'm diagnosing something, and I'm sitting at my desk having a cup of tea with a wiring diagram in front of me, and it looks like I'm taking a, a coffee break. But actually what I'm doing is um, um, I've got a wiring diagram in front of me of all the components on that car, and I'll start crossing things off. Uh, you know, if the car has an EGR valve on it, will that make the car shut off? No, that'll make the car run bad if it sticks, but it won't make the car shut off, so I'll cross that off the list. Um, you know, a fuel pump, could a fuel pump make the car shut off? Yeah, sure, so I'll circle it. Uh, you know, could a crank sensor make the car shut off? Sure, I'll circle it. And I'll go through every component there and start looking at common things and saying, okay, you know, what's going to make this car shut off? What's, what's got the higher chance of failure? And then, uh, you know, you got to break out the lab scope. You've got to start scoping things. You've got to start checking voltages in and out of components. But, you know, that's about step four or five. Let's get through the first couple of three or four that I gave you in, in, right. in, in terms of what to look for. But that's generally how you'll do it. You'll start breaking things down and saying, what's the likelihood of, of, of this causing the problem? All right? And, 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 of course, the number one rule is condition dictates where you look. If, right. if, if you lift the hood and it looks like, you know, barnyard bobs that every critter in the world is living under the hood and they're making nests everywhere, well, you know, now we've got something else to think about. Right. If, it's, right. if it's garage kept clean as a whistle, uh, like the day it rolled out of the showroom, and then we start thinking about component failure. Does that make, right. any, that make sense to you? Absolutely. Well, I want to hear make, uh, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, um you know there's no there's no silver bullet on a car like that there's no right. there's no magic pill uh, you know listen i've seen a bad ignition switch cause that and you know i think i think when i pass and they talk about me they'll talk about the crazy mechanic driving around bergen county with meters hanging off the windshield in the front of the car <laughs> and the fuel pressure gauge hooked up and who was that guy well you know that, that's what we did I, I i get tired of driving around with cars hanging on uh, you know, hanging on the cars, but that's what you've got to do. I've had cars with bad ignition switches where I'll have two voltmeters, and the one on the left is voltage in, the one on the right is voltage out, and they're, they're either on the floor or on the dashboard, and when the car shuts off, um, I've got the meters in record mode, and I'll see, okay, who lost what? Well, the, the meter showing voltage in is showing zero as well as the meter showing out. Well, then I know signal or power to the ignition switch is, is being lost, and then I'll trace that up the circuit. If I get power to the ignition switch and signal going out disappears, guess what? I've got a bad ignition switch. Right, and, right. You know, if it was a 68 Volkswagen, we'd all believe it. But if it's a 2004 Focus, nah, that can't be possible. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> it's, it's how do you want to break it down? And it's just it's a thought process. Diagnostics begins, you know, the average car, hardcore problem like that, what could be that? That kind of car begins with a minimum of 45 minutes of research and, and, and reading of wiring diagrams and, and bulletins and common pattern failures to get ideas on where to go. It's just, it's just, it's just that, you know, that's just the way it's got to be done. There is no other simple, uh, simple componentry available. All right, gotcha. sir? 
Hey, listen, I really appreciate it. It's been very helpful, and I, I love the way you broke that problem down. It really makes a lot of sense. You're, you're very welcome, you. sir. And if, if you're looking, if you want to hear it again, this is Hour 1 on Saturday, January 12th. Uh, it'll go up on the podcast site. You can go out to our website, cardoctorshow.com, and then go over to uh, the podcast link. And if you look at Hour 1 for this date, this was about... Uh, Oh, we started this about 20 after the top of the hour. You can kind of work your way through it and hear the whole thing all over again. And if it helps you, I'm more than glad to do it. All right, sir? Great. Thank you. You're Have very a great welcome. Day. You too. Bye-bye. Um, yeah, Jamie had to go. We had to go to his seven-year-old niece's birthday party, and we know we wanted to get to that. We, uh, You know, it's, it's, it's funny how, you know, we kind of work our way into people's lives, right? And that's what this radio show does. It's, um, it's just one of those things. I've, I've come to that conclusion that, you know, you've got to be here for everybody, and it's something I really still enjoy doing. Um, I was watching, and you know, it's it's funny where you learn things about life from, right? I was watching CBS News this morning, and they were highlighting this young cook from Los Angeles, and he was. They were talking about what a great chef he is, and they they said, "What's you know, what are some of the things you 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 think of to try and do?" And he said, "You've got to look at every day like you're doing it for the first time, and have that same enthusiasm." And, you know, that's what I try to bring to the shop, and that's what I try to bring here for you and for everybody that listens and by whatever means. Because Joe DiMaggio, I, I, I learned this, God, so long ago. Joe DiMaggio, the great Joe, had, had said there's three types of people watching you play baseball. There's people for the first time, there's people for the last time, and there's people that are on a continuing basis. The first-timers are going to go, wow, he's really as good as they, they say he is. The, the, the last-timers are going to say he's still got it. And the ones in the middle are going, I really enjoy watching this guy play. It's just, it's just like, enjoyable. And that's how you got to do a radio show, and that's how you got to fix cars, and that's really kind of how you have to approach life. Because when you walk in every day pissed off, can you say that word on radio? I guess we can. Um, when you walk in every day that annoyed, you know what? All of a sudden, it's not a lot of fun. And all of a sudden, it just becomes a job. And at that point, you might as well be on to the next destination, wherever life is going to take you, because you're just not, you're just not having a good time. So 855-560-9900, words of wisdom from Uncle Ronnie. I'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ryan the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900, cardoctorshow.com. And keep in mind that phone number is 24-7. You can call it any time, day or night. If we're not live on the air, we originate Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. on the network East Coast time. You can uh, call 855-560-9900. And our executive producer, Tom Ray, will put you in queue for the next live broadcast. I suggest calling at 3 o'clock in the morning because Tom sits by the phone and then he answers it right away. And he's got nothing else to do because he has no life. Um, and it gives him something to do in the middle of the night other than to get up and uh, use a little boy's room. Um, I made a boo-boo, and I have to acknowledge it. I, I, I said something backwards here. Mike? There's uh, a first time for everything. Yeah, this is... I got a news here. There's a lot of firsts this week. I Between losing my jacket, which I found... Between writing a check out of the wrong checking account for something, which I corrected, uh, and now I made a boo-boo here on air, so I'm not sure what kind of a day I'm having. Everything but comes in threes. Everything comes in threes. So, so you're done for now. Hopefully this is it. Tesla isn't totally electric, lots of stupid accessories, because that's spelled wrong. It would have to be totally electric, stupid, little accessories. Tesla, right. So, whew. Mr. Sterling, my high school English teacher, was, uh, is, is glad for that. Um, I want Tom to talk for a minute 
Not that I enjoy hearing his voice, but well, yeah, oh. you. You're Tom, aren't you? Um, where's my little yellow piece of paper right here? Um, Tom, Tom's daughter's test. Tom's daughter's Tesla. Tom's daughter's escape had this really crazy electrical problem, and Sarah goes to school up in uh, uh, New England. And we were trying to diagnose it from 250 miles away. And I kept coming back to Tom and saying, barring the ridiculous, it just sounds like an alternator because of all the bizarre things that were going on with it. And it's an interesting story, the outcome of it. And I think we talked about it a little bit two weeks ago or last week. But in, in a nutshell, Tom, sum it up. Well, very bluntly, and, and you've been slammed lately, which is why I didn't bring it over to your place right. as, as I normally would. Uh, I took it over, I went and picked it up, and I drove it back. Basically what it was doing is you'd start it, and it would be kind of a kind of a crapshoot. You'd start it up, sometimes it would be fine. Sometimes the battery light would come on. Sometimes you'd lose power steering. It's electric on this car. Sometimes you'd lose power steering in the instrument cluster. Sometimes you'd also lose heating control. Sometimes it would just work perfectly right um so and there's, there's no real common you know i looked at a wiring diagram because that's the troubleshooting from a far part right there's no real commonality to any of that there's you know it's the only commonality is they're all on all those systems are contained in the car and they all get powered by the alternator that's, exactly that's that's really it go ahead continue yeah so, so you know i brought it over to the uh, local ford dealer where, where i had purchased it and uh Dropped it all. I, you know, I, I had a sheet of paper listing everything we did. It wasn't throwing codes, the whole bit. Um, and they called me the other day, and I, and I said, while it was there, you know, since the last time you had seen it, uh, it had developed an oil leak. I could smell the oil. Um, and they went through the car, and they, they finally called me back, and they said, you know, we're going to replace the alternator. We're 100% sure it's the alternator that's throwing trash, which would make sense because that would confuse the computer. Yeah, and uh, again... The thing, everybody, as a takeaway is, we looked at voltage, we looked at amperage. They were good. Right. You know, not that we ever really saw it during the duress and the problem, but we think what's happening, what was happening was, I think this car has a bad diode in it, and it was putting trash voltage into the system, and the computers were reacting to that, and... Yeah. shutting systems e down e either that or the actual voltage regulator itself was reacting probably too fast and and causing spikes one right. or the other but anyway garbage in garbage out right exactly it's so uh while they were looking at it they said you know we found the oil leak they said it's very common in this vehicle that uh, you know the uh um the valve cover and the uh, timing, timing cover, cover are right. leaking and it's okay yeah. well we got to do that and they said, also, while it's here, you know, it, and this is a known Ford problem. It's not a recall, but it is a service bulletin that um, the transaxle, the, you know, the transmission will leak around one, one of the front axles. Happens to be on the same side of the car where the, where the alternator is. And I said, okay, well, we got to get that fixed, too, obviously. And the guy was kind of tiptoeing around, and he started talking about, you know, the pricing and stuff, I, I think he was waiting for me to rip his head off. And I went, no, no, as I understand, this is, I says, I've already looked all this stuff up. I said, in order to get out, get the uh, alternator out, you've got to pull the axle. Right. I said, you know, there's a lot on that engine is you got to take part of the engine apart to get those covers off and get the seals changed. And, and I, I said, I said, the, the, the transaxle is easy. I had that done on my wife's car. And then he said, also, he says, uh, we probably want to do the uh, throttle body. And I said, well, that's a recall, but that's been done. Right. Goes, we, oh, we did that at the shop one day. Yeah, I, I said, my mechanic did that. He goes, okay, that's why it's not updated here. I said, look, if you want to replace it to feel better, go ahead. I, it's okay with me. Um, and he, he threw a price at me. And I went, oh, okay. I said, well, let's talk about that for a sec. 
And I think he was still waiting for for me to get, I don't know, violent, whatever you want Twisted, to call it. Right. And I said, look, cause I'm bringing you an awful lot of uh, labor. This is very labor intensive. I says, can we do anything? Can you shave a little bit off the uh, the cost of the parts? I, I says, I, I know what the alternator cost wholesale. Right. You know. And, and to his credit, you know, this, the way you were telling it before, that to his credit, he realized and he said, listen, I've got to pull the axle to do the alternator. Right. And he says, we've got to pull the axle to do the transaxle. He says, let's take some time off on that. Let's do this. Let's do that. We settled for about $1,100 less than the original quote. And I said, let's rock and roll. Let's do it. And he looked at me. And he it not looked at me. We were on the phone. And he went, really? I said, yeah. I said, I said, look at it this way. I said, that's a nine-year-old car with 220,000 miles on it. It's a good car. As I, I believe it has life in it. He goes, oh, you bet it does. He says, I had one of these. I drove it to 300,000 miles. He says, and then I, the only reason I traded it in is I wanted a new car. He says, there was no reason to get rid of it. Right. Um, he says, these run forever. And he says, to be honest with you, he says, every tech in this place walked through and looked at it. He says, they can't believe the condition of this car. He says, you took care of it. I said, yeah. He goes, it's, it, it's remarkable. It's incredible for a car that's old. Well, and, and you know, it, it, it gets to the point that there's a car that needs $2,500 worth of work or $2,800 worth of work, and what do you buy for three grand? Nothing. Oh, you're not going to buy anything. So I right. told him, I said, you know, 2800 bucks is better than than four or 500 a month for, uh, you know, for car months. payments because yeah. she needs an SUV up where yeah. she is. Yeah. I said, and very bluntly, I said, the car's nine years old. I think I've put... Five or six hundred dollars total into it, but you know, besides the normal brakes, tires, things like that, right. I said the car has been trouble free. I said it's due, right? And he went okay. And anyway, I'll be picking it up Monday because they wanted to keep it just to make sure that the uh, silicone sealant on the uh, I think it was the tranny boot um, needs to set properly. Yeah, and it's cold outside, yeah. and you know, it just goes to show, and that's what makes a proper repair. Um, and and that's sort of what we've been talking about here, folks, in terms of let's make a proper repair. Uh, Tom was well armed. He he had his information, and you know, look who he works with. Uh, we gave him all the information he needed, and he walked in there calm, direct, concise. He got a little bit of a bargain. They did the job. The car is fixed, and uh, a credit to the guys up at that Ford dealer. We'll pick this up on the other side when we come back. Let's pull over and take a pause. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. Don't go away. She's real fine, my 409. She's real fine, my 409, my 409. Welcome back. We're on the Indian the Car Doctor. Another quick hour of radio here. More information if you're looking for it. You can actually hear this hour again. Get out to cardoctorshow.com. Click on the podcast, and uh, you'll take you over to Spreaker, and you can click on hour one, uh, January 12th. Today's the 12th, right? Yeah, Whew. God, we're almost halfway through this month, first month of the year, like, ay, 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 which means we are uh, 45 days. Now we're about uh, 185 days. How far are we from spring? Somebody give me a number. We'll talk about it after we go off the air here, but uh, thank too God. Too far. Too far. Well, yeah, spring, summer, cruising weather. Um, Steve Cook, Stephen Cook, our, 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 our good buddy, the instructor from, I think it's Cincinnati. I'm not sure where Steve is from. He's out, somewhere in Ohio is what I believe. Wrote a really interesting book, OBD2 Diagnostics Made Easy. Um, it's got a picture of somebody that impersonates Tom Ray on the cover, uh, standing there with his head up going, uh, um, with a sign on it that says, help me. But OBD2 Diagnostics Made Easy, it's out on Amazon. Uh, you'll see a picture of a mechanic staring at a car with a hood up with a license plate that says, help me. Uh, the uh, illustrations are courtesy of Stephen's daughter. Um, we're going to be reading this on air, talking about it, and I think I'm going to twist Steve's arm and probably give a few away on air uh, to get the juices flowing in the coming weeks. But uh, he 
can get out there to Amazon. OBD2 Diagnostics Made Easy, a really great, easy book to read to help you with your understanding. I'm Ron Anini and the Car Doctor. Till the next time, good mechanics aren't expensive, they're priceless. 